Okay, if you have your Bible out, which I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Exodus 12. And so I'm only going to have you flip one time. And so if you have your Bible and you, you have one of those tassels, will you go ahead and put it in Matthew 28? That is the only time we're going to flip and we're going to do it quickly. And I want you to see both places where we're at. We're going to start in Matthew 28. We're going to pray for our time. And then we're going to end in Matthew 28. If you're a note taker, where is Easter in Exodus? There are many years between the two. There are many stories, many character, many pages. Where is Easter in Exodus? Put your tassel, have your Bible open. We're going to be in Exodus 12, but have that tassel. See before we pray in Matthew 28. Follow me in verses 1 through 8. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. If you got a highlighter, he is not here. He is not here, for he is risen as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you in Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you this. So that they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples the word. Let's bow our head and pray for our time this morning. God, we thank you for today. You are good, you are glorious, you are worth it, you are our prized possession. God, we thank you for salvation, we thank you for the cross, we thank you for the blood. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for this moment, we thank you for his church. We thank you for all that you do, you have done, and you will continue to do. Remove all opinions, remove all distractions, let these people that came this morning that you have ordained to be here feast their eyes and their hearts and their souls on your word. As we have said already, if someone does not know you, Lord, I pray that you step forward and you save. I pray that for someone in this room, this is their greatest day. In your precious and in your holy name, the church says in harmony, amen. Go to Exodus. You're going to camp out there for a second, so don't be overwhelmed by it, so go ahead and turn. 
And you might say, hey, Hunter, you said go get a Bible, but I'm good, man. And I'm praying that if you don't have one, that you want one after this, okay? And so if God's word was so awesome to you today that you said no up front, but you said, I got to grab one on the way out, I pray we run out, okay? I pray that there's not enough that everybody goes and grabs one. Look at Exodus 12. Where is Easter in Exodus? So you might be saying, if you are a visitor, I know we got some. How in the world are we in Exodus? Why land on Exodus on Easter? It's the second book of the Old Testament, way before the cross, way before the resurrection. Well, as a church, starting January 1, we have started a full year in the book of Exodus. And we said we're not going to divert from this. We're going to stay there. We're going to camp there. God is going to bring us something good on Easter. And as everybody comes in and they're scratching their heads, Exodus 12, God's going to provide. And so if you don't know much about Exodus, Exodus is about God, our star, raising up Moses, the hero, the instrument God uses on this earth for his glory for the people to serve him. And so Moses at this point is kind of like an Abraham character. He's older in life. He's living with his father-in-law. He's married. He has kids. He's a shepherd. He's trying the best he can. He's in retirement. And God comes to Moses and he says, I'm not done with you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to build you. I'm going to prepare you. And then I'm going to send you. And he says, I'm sending you back to Egypt for the Israelites to set my people free. Well, here's the problem with this. After Moses goes back and forth with God, he repents of his fear and his disobedience. He moves forward in faith. But the people of Israel who are in Egypt are under Pharaoh. And so what we have been studying for the last month and a half at Eastview are the 10 plagues. And the 10 plagues is God's sermon. They are his message. We're going to read a verse here in a second that shows that. And so what God says is, I'm going to send 10 plagues to loosen the grip of the one who holds my people, right? And so what we see in Exodus 9, will you just turn just like a page for me? Just a page or two. In Exodus 9, after God sends the Nile, the frogs, the lice, the flies, the death, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the darkness, he shows why he's doing all of these things midway. And look what it says in 15 and 16. It says, Now I have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence. Then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I have raised you up that I may show my power in you and that my my name may be declared in all of the earth. Go back to 12. So what God is saying there is, listen, I could have had my way at the very beginning. I could have closed my eyes and I dreamed I genied you out of here. I didn't have to go 10 plagues deep, but this is a sermon. This is a message for my glory for you, for the future, and for today. So now we come to the last plague. 
God has done many works. He has broken these individuals. They are on E, they are on fumes, they are weary, they are stumbling. And we get to the 10th. The ninth was three days of darkness. They are on fumes. And then God says, I'm going to take your firstborn, your firstborn, and that will be the last. Look at chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months, and that shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel. Tell the people, God says, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. Now hang with me, church. You're going to see where in the world is Exodus and Easter connected. You're going to see it right here. It says, on the tenth of the month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the people there. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Now, will you highlight, will you take a second? We're not in a rush. We're all having a good time. Highlight five. I want you to see it. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year. That's important. We'll come back to it. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Highlight seven. And they shall take some of the blood and they shall put it on the doorpost outside of their houses where they eat. Then, then they shall eat of the flesh on the night, roasted in the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, no boiled at the, at the end with the water, but roasted in the fire. Its head and with its legs and all of its entrails, you shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with the fire. Hang with me, two more verses. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. Hang, so you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So I want you to understand the moment in which we sit, physically, culturally, spiritually. Understand that the Israelites that were in slavery, those were God's people, right? They were the underdog in which Moses came to deliver. Deserved the exact same death as the slaveholder. The Israelites, God's people, the good guy, Right? God has protected them from the flies. God has protected them from the death of the livestock, the hail that came down. And they're finding out that they deserve the exact same death as those who keep them captive. Why? Because they were sinners. Why? Because they were unworthy. Why? Because they were fallen. Why? Because they were in the lineage of Adam. So understand the moment, church. 
They are not worthy to even stand in glory, even though God desires them. Why? Because glory, in essence, in all definition, is perfect. And you and I, in 2022, we share something in common with the Israelites. We are not perfect. I got some sweet folks in this room. I got some lovely, awesome, you haven't cursed or done anything in decades, right? You got your Sunday best. And without the grace of Jesus Christ, you are destined for hell. Why? Because glory is perfect. If I put the best of you in this room, the number one on the list, the greatest we got, if I put you in heaven, you would stand out like a sore thumb. Why? Because you're not perfect. We got anger issues. We got mama, daddy issues. We got resentment issues. We have addictions in this room. We have struggles in this room. And so even though God has separated the Israelites, his people, and the Egyptians, the ones that keep them captive, and the ones that deserve damnation, they have something in common. None of them are worthy. Genesis 2, 17 says this, don't flip. Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So understand me, what does this have to do with you? Even though nobody in this room is Egyptian, you live in the same reality. You and I are unworthy you and I are fallen, you and I are sinners, you and I deserve wrath, you and I, without the grace of Jesus Christ, have damnation in our future. So all the people this morning who live, who breathe, who are born, and who die are all under God's wrath. And when it comes to God's wrath, understand the moment, when it comes to God's wrath, no one is safe. The Egyptian is not safe. The Israel is not safe. The American is not safe. But in God's great mercy, where is Eastern Exodus? In God's great mercy, we see a way. Look at Exodus 12, 13. Keep it going. Look at 12 and 13, I mean. For I will pass through the land of Egypt. This is the Lord speaking. For I will pass through the land of Egypt, and on that night I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. This is the 10th plague. Don't divorce yourself from the moment. These people are on fumes. They are on E. they just gone through three days of darkness. How could this get worse? And God said, I will go through the land and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Highlight 13 for me. Now the blood shall be a sign for you. Where is Easter in Exodus? Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you 
to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So in God's great mercy, even though we deserve damnation, even though we are unworthy, even though we all fall in the same camp of sinners, fallen, unworthy, God prepares a way for safety. For those who heard, for those who trusted, for those who followed, God provided a way for safety. So the command is simple. Find a lamb, I told you to highlight. He says, find a lamb. What type of lamb? Any lamb? No, 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 no. God only deserves our best. He says, find a perfect lamb. One that would represent a phenomenal worthy sacrifice to our creator. Find it, obtain it, kill it, sacrifice it and take its blood and smear it on the outside of your house. And when the Lord comes through to pour his plagues onto the people that are unworthy, which are all of us, when he sees the sacrificial blood, he will pass over you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I feel like Brent was talking about the South. I think for some of you guys, you've been to so many Easter services and you've, you've grown up in the church and you got a hundred years of past VBSs under your belt that you just heard stories like this so many times that we just forget the reality of being in that moment. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being told that this isn't just for the Egyptians, the, the bad guys, but this is for you too? Can you imagine looking at your friends or your neighbor going, hey, 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 what do I do? Like, who do I got to pay? How much is it going to cost? Who do I got to call? Does he know who my dad is? And being told there's nothing you can do? Why? Because you were born sinners. Your first breath was in sin. There's nothing you can do. It is already set in stone. You are all not worthy, right? So God's wrath comes for everyone. Can you imagine the fear and the faith of that moment for the Egyptian? For the Egyptian? They just went through nine plagues coming to fruition to the T. And when they hear that God is coming to take their firstborn? Can you imagine the, the fear in that? And then can you also imagine the, the faith of the Israelite to believe that God is not going to pour it on them? I was talking to one of my, my, my greatest friends, my, my brother Lee here, he made the thought to me this week. He goes, Hunter, can you imagine? I, I never thought about this. He goes, can you imagine the type of faith just to stay? And I was like, what do you mean stay? He goes, man, I would have packed everything up in the back seat and ran, right? Like Canaan ain't too far away. Like once I heard God was coming, I would have been like, guys, pack it up, okay? We got to go. But what does God say? Look at 21 and 22. Look at it. It says, fast forward, 21 and 22. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out the lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Got it. 
and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Now, this is what I want you to hear. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. Can you imagine being there in that moment? You think anybody went to sleep? You think anybody tucked their kids in and said, I'll see you in the morning? No, 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 no. That is straight up staring at ceiling for 12 hours. I was thinking about Liam, my oldest. You think he would have understood that? You think I would have told him? Or do you think I would have let him go to bed and me just sit there in a chair and stare at him? Like, don't remove yourself from the reality of the fear and the faith in that moment, but in God's great mercy. In God's great grace. 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the doorpost, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow, he will not allow the destroyer to come into your house and strike you. If you have lost me so far, let me give you the cliff notes. Man is born into sin. Man deserves punishment. God provides a way in undeserving safety, which consists of a beautiful union of God's great mercy and grace and man's trust and faith. He says, I am gonna provide a way that has nothing of your own doing. You deserve damnation. I don't care where you're from. I don't care what prayer you received. I don't care how much money you've given. I don't care who your dad, your granddad is, or what church you go to. You are not perfect. You are in need of a sacrifice. And there's this union and this beautiful marriage between God's great mercy and grace and the faith to stay. Can you imagine being in a prison? I kept having this thought, being in a prison and the jailer goes, hey, listen, um, I'm opening the doors and I expect you to be here in the morning. How many of you staying? We have this moment where the Lord says, I am coming. I'm coming. I will provide a way for you. Stay put. Stay faithful. 29 through 30. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. From a king to servant, God, there was no discrepancy. God came through with the same deserved punishment. So Pharaoh rose in the night he and all of his servants and all of the Egyptians. And there was a great cry. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the screams throughout the area? There was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now this is the Passover. That is the first Passover. So we go back to our initial question. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew. 
where is Easter in Exodus? Now, I want you to go to Matthew 26. I told you to put a path tassel in 28, but I have confidence in you guys that you'll be able to find your way between one or two chapters. Go to Matthew 26. Where is Easter in Exodus? Look at 26, 14. Matthew 26, 14. It says, Then one of the twelve called Judas went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. Now on that first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat of the Passover? So I want you to understand the circumstances. After Exodus and the first Passover, this is something that they celebrated every year. This was their Easter. This was their Thanksgiving. This was their Christmas. This was a yearly tradition where all the people would come together and they would praise God for what he has done. That's the moment. That's the moment that they are in, right? And he said, being Jesus, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and they prepared the Passover. Go to 26. Fast forward. And they were eating. They were celebrating. They were remembering. And Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it and he gave it to his disciples and saying, take, eat, this is my body. Do you think they had any understanding what was going on in this moment? Like they've done the same thing for years, for decades, for generations. And he looks at them and says, hey, listen, this is my body. You think they understood the moment? He says, then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant. Highlight that one. Underline it. Do whatever you got to do. This is the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of their sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. During this time, during this moment, the disciples did not understand. All they understood was the Passover that started in Exodus, but they did not understand the concept or what was happening in the reality of the Lord's Supper. Like they only understood Old Testament covenant. This was a celebration. They were there with Jesus, but they didn't understand that there was a new covenant coming. So in Matthew, in Matthew when Jesus says that this is my blood, this is my body that was given to you, he was forecasting what was about to happen. He was saying that I am the perfect sacrificial lamb with no blemish. 
Jesus came to die during their yearly Passover. Jesus is the perfect lamb. Everything is full circle. Everything is full circle. In 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul says, Christ, Jesus, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. I want you to understand. And I had read this and I would read this and I would read this, but I don't know if I really ever focus a lot of attention on it. Like Jesus came in to die on the eve of Passover. Like, man, they were gathering all the lambs because this is what we do. We celebrate, we smear the blood, we eat, we break bread, we drink, we fellowship. Like Jesus comes in with the animals. He was perfect. He was without blemish. He's our atonement. He's our substitute. He's our way. And the blood of Christ is our symbol. Highlight it in your mind. Write it in your Bible. The cross is our doorpost. The cross is our doorpost. In Genesis, one of my favorite stories with Abraham, when Abraham took Isaac up the mountain to do the unimaginable, to his first son, when he had that knife up high, what happened? What was found? I'm asking you. We're in a small town. There you go. A substitute. You know why? Because God provides what God requires. God provides what God requires. God sent his first son to die so ours wouldn't. There's no reason for you to stare at your son in bed asleep hoping it comes true. There's no reason for you to go find a lamb smeared outside your house. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to be that. In Romans 5, 9, 5, 9 it says, Now we have been justified. How? By his blood. Where is Easter in the Passover? The cross is our doorpost. And so what happens, church? Because the Lord still comes through. Hang on it, please. The Lord still comes through. And last time I checked, we're still sinners. And the last time I looked in the mirror, we're still unworthy. And if you believe in a heaven, guess what? There's still a hell. And so the Lord comes through, and does he look at you and go, oh, man. Man, Hunter, even though he's a sinner, like, he's amazing. Does he say that? No, he doesn't. Man, he's so athletic. He's such a good speaker. His parents were so great. He's given so much. Look at what he's done. He's right from the right denomination. He's kind. He doesn't know. He sees sin. He says, I can't bring you into heaven because glory is perfect. And if I brought you up, you'd mess it all up. You would mess it all up. So there has to be a way. And God today in 2022 still provides it. And so when God looks down, he didn't see the blood on the outside of my house from a lamb that I found. He sees the cross. He sees his son. 
And so there will be a day for those who are saved here this morning that I will look eye to eye with my Lord and Savior and I will know, I will know who he is. And when I know who he is, I will also know who I am. But the Lord through his grace and mercy and what was accomplished on the cross, he will not see unworthy sinner fallen Hunter Jones. He will see the sacrifice of his son. That is Exodus. That is the Passover. That is Easter. And so now we come to the resurrection. I told you we were going to begin and end in Matthew 28. Just flip one or two pages. The people during Jesus' death and time on the cross and before the resurrection, I want you to imagine probably was just as scared Someone said to me this week that that time between the cross and resurrection, man, that was a, a victory for those who laughed, right? Can you imagine being one of the disciples who left everything, who put all of their trust, and even though they were fallen men, man, they put their chips on the table, and there was a period between his death and resurrection where I'm sure, like in Exodus, it was fear and faith. They were like, what? Now, right? What am I to do now that Jesus is gone, now that God is coming? Look at Matthew 28, 1 through 8. We started, we end. It says, Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene, And the other Mary came to see the tomb. Remember, I talk about the people in Exodus being on fumes. They are scared. They are worried. What do you think Mary felt? What do you think these guys were thinking, right? And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow and the guards shook for fear of him, became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. I told you to highlight it. He is not here for he is risen as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him again. Behold, I have told you this. The resurrection was the assurance that all of the fear, that all of the worry, that all of the doom could be erased, could be ceased that Jesus Christ was exactly who Jesus Christ said that he was. There was fear between those days. There was darkness, there was fear, but they stayed faithful and put. And for those who saw the glory of the resurrection, everything was washed away because Christ was God. So we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hey, London Daniel, Can you bring me a Lord's Supper thing? I told myself I wouldn't forget it, and I knew I would. Thank you, buddy. I also want you to finish the sermon, so come on up here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's ready. 
Good for you, buddy. <clears throat> and so we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Brent, Brent and I had a, a great thought and conversation about that this week. And also, I don't know if I spent a lot of time thinking about all of this. The Lord's Supper, like the Passover, is for believers. The Passover was a celebration. It was a tradition for who? For those that were grateful. For those who were bought with a price. For those who were faithful. For those who believed. It wasn't for the non-believers. They, they came together and they said, there's something that we have in common. There is a unity. What is it? God, right? That was the Passover. And so now the disciples come together with Jesus in the flesh. And they're still celebrating what? The Passover. He says, hey, we're about to go into the Lord's Supper and there's gonna be some differences and there's gonna be some similarities. The similarities are, this is still for believers. This is for those that were bought with a price, for those who put their faith and their trust in something greater than you, but there's something different and that is Christ. That is Jesus. And so at Eastview, there's two things, okay? Because you might not be from here and you might've taken the Lord's Supper in a lot of different ways. I understand that. But there's two things that we preach and teach and hammer home when it comes to the Lord's Supper. One is repentance. For non-believers who have heard the gospel and who wanna place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And for those who are saved, but are still sinners. Because we are still called to repent because even though I am saved, I still sin. And so first, in the name of who Christ is, in the blood that was shed, we partake in the Lord's Supper and pray, God, forgive us. If someone here, that's not the Jesus you know. Jesus you know is the one who keeps you out of hell, but you don't understand grace. You don't understand mercy. You don't understand the love of Christ. You don't understand the man who hung on a cross. You don't understand the Passover lamb. You were scared to the altar because you don't want fire. If that's all you know, and that's not the Jesus that you grew up in and put your faith in, then you are not saved. And I pray today, you pray, God, save me. I have heard the good news. I have heard the gospel. I have seen the goodness of Jesus Christ. I place my faith and my trust to stay put, to stay put. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna end in song, but we're gonna go into the Lord's Supper together. And so with wafer in your hand, in remembrance like the Passover, they'd come together. In the remembrance of God's goodness through his son that hung on a cross, body broken. Why? Because you're awesome, because you're great, because you're worth it. No, because he is good. Because he is good. He is worth it. He is our praise. He is our prize. He is our lamb. We partake in the bread. I wanna give you about one minute. Eyes closed. I'm not saying anything. I want you to pray. God, if you are saved, thank him for salvation. <laughs> Amen. Thank him for salvation.
But we all have in common that we are sinners. We all need forgiveness this morning. And if you are not saved, God, save me. I have heard the gospel, save me. If you are saved, God, forgive me for whatever is going on in your life. Let's take a a few seconds and pray together. God, I pray this morning with eyes closed that we all seek repentance. For the lost man, for the lost woman, for the young, for the old, the black, the white, no matter who you are, this is the first time ever hearing God's word, thank you for the moment. Or for the man who's heard it countless times, but this is for the first time they've heard it where it's pierced their heart, thank God for it. Lord, I pray for the lost, that they are saved, that you step forward, that we fall to our knees, that we repent of our sin, and we place our faith and our trust on you alone. For those who are saved, but they still wrestle with sin, just like me and everyone else. And if we are drowning, if we have rationalized, if we have excused, if we have denied, put a weight on our shoulders to seek forgiveness and the freedom that comes in it. In your precious and in your holy name, the church says, amen. Before we go into the juice, I want to read you something. If you're a note taker, man, and you're intrigued by what you are hearing and you want more, this is a big book with a lot of words, a lot of big words, a lot of history, We look the Greek, we look the Hebrew, we have care. There's a lot going on here, right? There's one page. There's one page I would like you to go home and read. And I would pray that it either saves you or you praise God for what saved you, okay? So write down in your Bible on your hand, your kid's shirt, whatever you got to do. 1 Corinthians 15, write it down. I want you to read this with your family, your kids, yourself today. This is the gospel, the good news. It says, moreover, brother, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you have also received, in which you stand, this is important, by which also you are saved. He says, what I'm about to tell you is essential. Big book. Few words which save, okay? It says in three, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose on the third day according to those scriptures. Fast forward to nine. It says, for I am the least of the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I love it, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and in his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but by the grace of God, which was with me. And in that, we celebrate. We celebrate that none of you with me in the front of the line are worthy. 
none of you are good enough, can strive enough, can work enough. It does not matter who you are or where you came from. We have one thing in commonality, and that is that we are fallen sinners that are unworthy. But we celebrate. We don't leave here in the Lord's Supper with our head held down, burdened by who we are. No, 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 no. We celebrate in the Lord's Supper, not because of who we are, but because who he is. The grace of Jesus Christ who saves those who are unworthy and that one day we will be in glory with him. We celebrate our new Passover. And in that, we go to the juice. I'm going to pray one more time, and we're going to have one last, one last praise song, and then we're going to give a few announcements, which comes next. I want you to go ahead and stand with me, please. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We celebrate you. We celebrate salvation. We celebrate the cross. We celebrate the blood. We celebrate the fact that you took unworthy sinners who are fallen, who have messed it all up from the beginning of time. You gave us perfection. You gave us perfection. And we invited sin. But instead of damnation, Instead of abandonment, you provided a way. In the new covenant that the people in 2022 live in is called Jesus Christ. The sacrificial lamb with no blemish. The one who God sees the blood ahead of us on the cross and sees us now as worthy, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. We celebrate Easter We celebrate every word you've given us, the relationship we have, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen.